Ladies and gentlemen, it's here. Part two of the Andrew Carlson episode. We announced it was coming out on Friday, August 11th. We're putting it out on Saturday, August 12th, and that's mostly on me. Cam has been getting an unbelievable amount of text messages asking where this episode is, and I have been unable to finish it due to all of my clinical requirements, as well as working from the Iowa State Capitol, where I'm currently recording this right now. I've been giving tours all day, but I found some time to finally get this episode done. And let me just say, part two is very much a niche episode compared to part one. There's a lot of inside jokes, a lot of stories, but Cam and I had such a fun amount of time recording it. And we want to say thank you to Andrew for taking the time out of his busy schedule to sit down and record with us, not just one episode, but two parts. The first time we've ever done that before in our show's history. Uh, He's got a really busy schedule with going and trying to figure out coaching staffs and budgets and everything else and you'll hear a little bit about that on the episode and we also just want to say thank you guys so much for being patient with us number one but also for listening in the first place it's pretty uh, and there's a lot of background noise but it's pretty incredible getting the opportunity to tell stories like this and have uh, different former athletes and coaches share their stories we do really appreciate it so much so continue to support us by sharing our social media posts that's huge tell your friends about it we're hopefully going to get into a little bit more consistent schedule as I go from the clinic back to the classroom and Cam's health continues to stabilize a little bit. So we're excited for the updates coming soon. Be on the lookout for new content and all sorts of new episodes and projects that are coming up. But once again, enough about us. Let's dive into the latest episode of the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Prairie Track and Field Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Enerson. And I'm your other host, Cameron Rail. He's back. Andrew Carlson's joining us for his part two of the podcast. We could not get everything we wanted in part one. Knew we had to have him back. We've got a ton of content and stories and all sorts of things lined up that we're ready to ask. I guess, are, are you ready, Andrew? Well, no one asked for part one of this. <laughs> so I can imagine there's anyone left that wanted a part two. Um, but no, I'm ready. Like, so there's a few things I need to say up front though. I'm not collaborating on any more Instagram posts. Like that was <sighs> not I'm sorry. Like it hurt me because I tried to I tried to collab with LaCroix earlier this year and they just yeah. never mm. accepted. So I kind of felt weird about accepting yours, knowing that like LaCroix never accepted mine, but <laughs> I'm like, I'm like telling him, I'm like, I'm a LaCroix boy. Like, put me on. Like, what, one of the student athletes made this crazy video. I was like, let's get this thing started. And then LaCroix's like, no, we're good. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I guess I'm switching to liquid death. That's pretty much what I've been drinking ever since. I got to actually, I, as we're sitting here tonight, I got a Topo Chico lime. So a wow. little bit fancier, but I'm kind of Ooh. pivoting from LaCroix. So anyways, I don't know what we're talking about. The other thing <laughs> I realized, I listened back, pure vanity. I interrupt Cameron way too much. So I apologize (laughs) for that, Cameron. Um, And then the other thing I learned just as I was getting on this call, which is fun because I've known you guys for 10 years more than that. But I learned from this Zoom invite that Ryan's middle name is Wayne. Yeah. I I don't know. You could have given me a million guesses. I would have never had Wayne (laughs) for you as a middle name. I don't know why. Uh, 
Wow. So, okay. So the story behind that is I have the same birthday as my dad and his middle name is Wayne. So I guess just like as a, as a present to himself, he should pick the same middle name for me. (laughs) I don't really know, but we were, it was just, it was just funny because we were having this conversation. I was having this conversation with Maddie Van Beek and Aaron Teschuk the other day because Aaron was nearly named Fiona growing up. Yeah. And was very upset when she learned later on in life that <laughs> she was potentially going to be named Fiona and then wasn't. Um, but I had this sort of like, I think Aaron could be Fiona Teschuk and nothing would have changed. Like, I think her life would have been totally the same. Where like, if you're Wayne Enerson, I don't know you. <laughs> like, you're not a guy. Like, yeah. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying things went bad for you. I'm not um, saying that at all. I'm just saying like, I don't know you. Like yeah. something happened there. Yeah. No, it's it's kind of amazing. I feel like Fiona. All I can think about is uh, Shrek. That's uh, Shrek's wife's name. I think so. that was. I think that's what it was. <laughs> like that's. I think why she was so upset. She wasn't named that because it was like a princess in the end. Oh my gosh, it took a while to get there, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Uh... One last thing on Lacroix. Lacroix's gotten so expensive. Like, how long? Go back, Andrew. How long have you been drinking Lacroix? Probably since 2012. That's probably when I started too. They they like couldn't get people to buy Lacroix. Like they were handing yeah. it out for free. Yeah. <laughs> and now, now it's... Costco, it's like 7.99 for a 24 pack, and it used to be like 5.99. I'm with you, Anderson. I know mm-hmm. what you're saying. Do you have have you ever ventured into Clarbrun territory at Costco? Yeah. I, well, uh, you, only lemon, I only lime. It's uh, I know th- no, 30 pack for that... like five bucks. Yeah, that's not bougie enough for me. Whenever I see Clarbrun, I'm like, I can't be seen drinking Clarbrun publicly. Maybe for at-home consumption only, but like, I like a big glass San Pellegrino bottle. That's when I'm at my highest level of like arrogance when I'm drinking sparkling Maybe water in public. Clarbruns are the is the brand that you bring out at the grad party because you need yeah. you know bubbly Cl- water Clarbrun, for hundreds Clarbrun of people. Is, Absolutely, and I interrupted you again, Cameron. Carbon <laughs> is absolutely the brand that Cameron would drink. Oh yeah, yeah. Soleus watch, Atreyu shoes, Clarbrun <laughs> sparkling water. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, Clarbrun is go for it, Cam. It's not quite the <laughs> the like the budget option, but it's definitely not the most popular one. Yeah, that, that's what kind of car my... did you have? A Pontiac vibe. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Still Clark, driving it. Clark are you really you're, what you're still... drinking in your man yeah. cave, right? That's what you're drinking in the man cave. No, I'm Clark drinking Run? sand. I, I'm drinking Topo Chico in the, in the man cave tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Cameron drive. Okay, Pontiac vibe. I was trying to think of something else. I thought you drove like a Scion or something like a oh. brand that didn't exist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would uh, that would that would fit. That would be yeah. You know, in the same realm. I feel like. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's get going here. Like, this is part two. We're talking about Pontiac vibes. If, if, if this is unlistenable, we're not posting it. That's all I'm going to say right now. Uh, okay, so I texted you earlier this week. We were going back and forth about things we had to ask on this podcast. I feel like we're still on your professional career, not quite to coaching. We got to start off with maybe the best story I've ever heard. Mad Croc gum. Mad Croc energy gum. Oh yeah. So before run gum, um, so 
I'm going to name drop here again. Ryan Hall's coming up on two consecutive Prairie Track and Field podcast uh, episodes, but we raced in uh, U.S. The World 20K Championships was in Debrecen, in Hungary, one time, and uh, I we'd flown over. And um, have you guys ever seen the movie um, The Breakup? No. It's like Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston, and I like what I would do when I would like fly internationally is I would take just like three ibuprofen PM and then like two glasses of wine. And I would just knock myself out on a flight and then just like show up at the whatever. So I did this, I put on the breakup and like, that's a very intense movie. I thought it was just going to be like for fun, but like Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston are having these like very intense arguments throughout the movie. So it's like, I stayed awake the whole time. So then I was like, I have to sleep. So the next movie I picked was click. You ever seen that Adam Sandler? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's one of the saddest movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like I thought it was going to be the dumbest, like remote control thing. But there's a scene where he's like laying in the parking lot. He like missed his like son's birthday or something. He's yeah. like crying and all this stuff. <laughs> and I was like, so I never slept the whole time. And then we got to Budapest and then there was a four hour bus ride to the hotel and on that bus ride, Ryan Hall offered me some Mad Croc energy gum. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, it's Mad Croc. That's all he would tell me. And I was like, <laughs> he's like, it's got a lot of caffeine in it and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not taking this now because I need to sleep. So we got to Debrecen around 10 p.m. I went for a run. I ate dinner. We had a team meeting the next day at 9 a.m., like a Team USA meeting. I woke up at 3 p.m in the afternoon. That was the first time my eyes opened. I missed the team meeting by six hours. Um, and then the next day was the race and I was still like really tired. So I asked Ryan for the mad croc and I got some and I ate it and I like felt insane. I don't know if I ran well because of it or not, but like it definitely like hyped me up. So then like from that moment forward, I was just like a huge mad croc guy. Like, I mean, I was like eating like six pieces before workouts and stuff. Like it was, it got like to a level of like, I could only run if I chewed bad crock gum. And it was like years later, I saw Ryan again and I was like, Hey man, thanks for that recommendation on the bad crock. Like yeah. I'm obsessed with this stuff. Like that's all I, I eat it before, like anytime I exercise. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, mad crock. And he's like, Oh yeah. I never tried that. I just had it. I was like, <laughs> what? I've spent the last like three years thinking that Ryan Hall chews Mad Croc. So Andrew Carlson must then chew Mad Croc. And this whole time turns out I was just like the only guy just, I mean, I got into like Rockstar had like an energy gum for a while. Like huh. Nick Simmons came out and pretended like this was like this new thing. We were, we were chewing caffeinated gum decades ago boys like we were <laughs> we were in the mix it just wasn't marketed correctly <laughs> oh god years That's later funny. i could still find it on amazon as well like before run gum came out and mad croc wasn't being sold in stores i could find it on amazon and buy it in bulk but it was like always so stale like i could tell like it was like two years past the <laughs> expiration date gross <laughs> But it just made you feel like raw on the inside. Like you did not feel good, but you felt crazy. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm going to try and find some and buy some Mad Croc gum and give it a try. Maybe that's our you that... next sponsor for the pod. <laughs> yeah. 
I bet they stopped producing that stuff at least 10 years ago, Cameron. Like, I don't think it's safe at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably not FDA approved. <laughs> Were you a big Ooh. caffeine guy before competition, Enerson? No, I wasn't. But I'll tell you what, a couple of years ago, I was down at uh, Texas Greatest Athlete in Dallas. And Dylan Cooper, he's a multi uh, D3 guy. He's just crushing it. He shows up and he's like, dude, you take any supplements? I'm like, no, nah, not really. It's like, do you? He proceeds to pull out like this whole fishing tackle box with every sort of energy thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Like, yeah, like you don't take caffeine or run gum or he just like names them all down. No. He's like, how about coffee? <laughs> at that point, I didn't drink coffee. I was like, no, not all. He's like, you're kidding me. You so, <laughs> no, I don't. But I, it's, uh, I know it's big in the distance world and uh, it's I, really big in the deck world too. I don't know if you guys, well, when you first started at NDSU, if you recall, our, our offices were in like the concession stands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. So oh, yeah. like Godfrey's office was like the big office because that was the actual concession stand. And then the other five of us were in that little room, all of our desks um, in one space. So I was right next to Justin St. Clair, who was the throws coach at NDSU at the time. And I saw him like mixing a drink one day because he was going to go lift. And I was like, what's that? He's like, it's pre-workout. I had never heard of pre-workout before. So I was like, what, what does that do? And the way he described it to me was like mad crock. So I was like, I'm definitely interested <laughs> in this, you know? Um, so he like put some powder in like a little bottle that was sitting there and I drank it at my desk and then proceeded to not exercise. <laughs> and that's, that is take pre-workout sometime and then just try to like work at your desk. It's a, it's a, oh no. It's a terrifying, yeah. I, mean, I remember when I went home that night, like, what is this? Like my heart felt like it was going to beat out of my chest. Like never again. I at least need to like go for a run or lift weights or something. But anyway. Oh man. Andrew, did we ever tell you? So when we, me and Ryan and uh, like Joe and Francis went out to watch the Olympic trials in Eugene in 2016, uh, we would go around like the stadium. They had like vendors and stuff before each day of the meet that we uh, we were going to. And uh, we would just pick up a bunch of packs of run gum from Nick Simmons and a bunch of picky bars. And oh. that's what, that's what we would eat all day. <laughs> we were at like a track meet for like five, six hours. And we'd be like, ah, lunchtime. I guess I'll chew this piece of run gum. <laughs> oh um, gosh. Terrible. We gotta, oh we God. gotta get off this topic of gum though. This okay. is, uh, yeah. this is too much. Dan, did you have any other professional stories you wanted to ask? Oh, man. No, I, well. You've had a week to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you got nothing. Uh, this is why part two is going to be bad. I told no, you it's good. Okay. 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 We're moving on. So you told us a little bit last time about how you got into coaching. Um, you mentioned you had the opportunity to coach with Coach Godfrey, came up, didn't really know what you're getting yourself into. Cam somehow was there the first weekend you were there, which yeah. I still think is hilarious. Just give like a brief synopsis of maybe a few of the things that you learned. Like we could go into like your success and accolades and achievements and all those things, but maybe just like three takeaways from your time at NDSU. Cause that was really like where you came into your own as a coach. Yeah. 
No, that that's a great question. And obviously told a little bit about that story before, but when I, so I recruited Cameron that first day and then I came back like January 1st to start officially. And I still remember, I can't remember when it exactly was, but like the first workout I ever had with an athlete, like first practice ever was just Maddie Van Beek at 7am at the indoor track. Because if you recall, Maddie was involved in like 38 different things on campus and like three jobs. And she was now married, but engaged at the time had like animals at home, like way more of an adult than I was. So I had to pick like 7am we we met to work out. And I still remember the workout was 24 times 200 meters and 45 seconds rest. So just like a workout rhythm based, you start at 3k pace, you'll end up running mile pace. No one ever has a bad workout because it's just 200s. It's a great like first workout. But every single time she would come up to the line and stand there and wait for me to say go. And then like, look over at me. And so each time I'd say, all right, go, go, go. <laughs> and it got through like eight or nine of them. And I was like, I can't do this. This is going to drive me <laughs> insane. Like just jog into it, woman. Like, what are you thinking? You know, like why you keep looking at me every single rep where I have to do this 24 times. Um, and then it just dawned on me, like in the middle of that work, I was like, wait, I'm a coach. I can just say what I want. They're like, Maddie, stop doing that back up jog into it and then I'll start the watch. So that was like one of those first things where you're like, it kind of dawns on you. Like I'm in charge here. Like whatever I say we're going to do right now. So if I don't see something I like, I'll just change it. So that was like my first introduction, like that morning. Um, and I still remember we did 1.0 core after with Maddie. Yeah. And that was a core routine that like my college coach had given us. And then it like modified it a little bit over time, but it was always so hard. For me like i always felt like i was just shaking the whole time and maddie was like nothing like she was like a stone wall and i was like is this hard and she's like no i was like oh my <laughs> gosh like all these years i thought this was like a hardcore routine it's clearly the easiest thing she's ever done in her life <laughs> so that afternoon all the guys came in there was like seven of them and i was coaching and they all looked like wet noodles doing this thing it was so bad like i remember brett kelly doing 30 push-ups and he was stop or kept going after everyone else got done. I was like, damn, Brett, are you doing 50 or something? He's like, no, two times 15. I can't do 30 yeah. pushups. Maddie's just like repping. Um, mm. So right away, like learning, like what each person is like, that's what's like my biggest thing right away is like, and they were all coming from totally different places where Maddie was like kind of on her own at that point. Cause some of the other girls were hurt. The guys team had kind of been working with Ryan, obviously closely, but had been, at some point coaching themselves or, or something. So there was like a, a want for structure. So I, I was lucky in that way where like, I got to come in and just kind of be who I am and, and do things the way I, I wanted to do them because people just wanted like structure and they wanted like the attention and all of that. And I could do all those things. So right away, it was more just like on building that relationships and figure out what my training was um, and all of that. Cause I didn't really have like a, exact plan um coming in but a lot of that got changed when aaron started breaking through test chuck um i learned like her volume had gone up we were really focused on the aerobic element of it and her speed started to come out um so a lot of my coaching philosophy started like with success of student athletes so you're like seeing what works and what doesn't and that's a dangerous road to go down sometimes too um because i remember when annika rotbold was starting to break through she had run like 
five, four fifty two for the mile. And I had this thought like, oh my gosh, she's gone from five fifteen, you know, in high school to four fifty two. I'll just put her on the exact same program Aaron was on and she'll be an Olympian. And it like squashed her by outdoor season. Like it was yeah. too much. Um, so it was like learning those things, like taking what I learned and like what worked for one person and trying to bring it to the next, um, was kind of how that all got going at NDSU. How what were Oh, even Ryan interrupts me. Yeah. Uh, you just got that. You got that Cameron. You just have that look on your face. Like you need to stop talking. Let me talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what were, so, I mean, obviously you, the last you know, part of your professional career was marathon. And then you come to <clears throat> coaching, you know, mo- mostly like milers and steeplers. Uh, mm-hmm. And I mean, you said you kind of developed your coaching philosophy based on, you know, like Aaron or like what was like working the best, yeah. but what, where were some of your other like influences in coaching philosophy? Yeah. So a lot of that was obviously who coached me. So Steve Placentia, Dennis Barker, um, is my collegiate and professional coaches. That's probably who I was most like influenced by. Um, but it's hard to like know these things because I have this experience from when I was like young, I've talked about this on the last episode of this, but, uh, like my parents like were really into like that. I liked running. So they just were like going to support whatever, like if I want to go to, a, I was spoiled. Like if I want to go to a camp in Utah, they'll do it. Cause I like love to do this. But every year they buy me books like on running because there wasn't the internet. So I like read these books, but looking back on it, these books were like professional books. Like it's like not yeah. like beginner's guide to this or anything like that. I had this book called train hard, win easy, the Kenyan way. And nice. like, I remember that like was shaped my like, like vision of training when I was like pretty young, like these guys are doing like 10 times 2k at, at like very yeah. fast. Like Paul Terrigo was running like, 50 minute, 10 milers, like most mornings, it seemed. So like, that's kind of where like, I built that up over time though. Like I understood, like I would read the Jack Daniels book to fall asleep at night. Um, So I have a hard time like explaining like where this has come from because it's just been like so long of consuming knowledge. Um, But really like my biggest influences were Dennis Barker and Steve Placentia. And what they really taught me was the aerobic part of this is is so important. but coming to North Dakota State, you're right, Cameron. It was mostly like milers and steeplechasers. And I also, I never want to disparage Fargo because it's where I'm from. But I, it's not the place where everyone wants to run 110 miles a week and get ready for a 10K. Yeah. Um, so some do, but a lot, like, it's hard to, like, get someone to train through a winter at, like, a high volume level. So actually, that event area kind of fit well um, with North Dakota State. So more like I was just like happy to have that event like represented when I got there. And it was like, well, we'll figure this out. Um, I never quite got like the 10 K going like I would have liked to, but it was just like, I don't know. Winter in Fargo is like, it's really hard to tell someone to run like 18 miles on the treadmill. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can feel like, Oh, sorry. No, that's okay. I I was, I can't remember who I was talking. I must've been talking to Evan Kotzik about this and, you know, and, and how like, it seemed like this year they, they finally got like more than one or two, like 5k, 10k guys. And that part of like the, the bison seems like 
it just seems like they have the right personnel for that right now. And yeah, yeah Evan and I were just talking, just like, man, even like talking about cross country, it's like, man, we had big goals in cross country, but really we were a bunch of, we were a bunch of milers trying to <laughs> run cross country. Like no wonder like, it was so hard to like, for I things to go like, well. At the three K of the GRIAC meet every year, just like, God, I can't wait for indoor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But no, you're right. It was a lot of like 800, 1500 type people, you know, running. But like, that's who Aaron was too, though. That's like yeah, the craziest yeah. part. Like she came in as just an 800 meter runner and then ended up, you know, running 1541 for 5k right. um, by the end, you know, of her time in college. So it's kind of funny how, how that can go sometimes where someone comes in with like, because I had people I came in like Peyton Froelich, we'll bring her up, for instance. I thought she was going to be like 5k and up. Like I was like, oh yeah, for sure. This girl is like 5k and up. She's going to be a star. Um, and then just turned out she was like super fast, Yeah, you know, yeah. like it just developed. So all of a sudden, like who I thought was going to be 5k, 10k was like on the four by four. Um, so you kind of like right. have to adjust it as you go too. It's like, who, who do I have here? Cause you can go in with an idea of like, oh, this person is, is that. Um, but if their strengths are, are somewhere else, like, what are we going to do? Um, so but Cameron, like you were a guy, like you were in that like mile 3K type yeah, range. Yeah. I would have loved to have had a 3K flat for you outdoors. The steeple obviously was great, but like that was a well, great distance. Do you remember the flat 3K that we we did? Oh gosh, I do remember that now. Yeah. It was one of the worst races I've ever seen in my life, but <laughs> yeah. it was made up for with the four by four with Enerson, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And John Curley ran the first and last leg. And the so, last leg. Yeah. What did you split on the four by four? Oh man, like fifty-seven, maybe. Oh, better than the three K went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but the <laughs> You had that bad hair at the time too, Cam. Yeah, I remember was, that picture. Man, yeah. Ryan did a, a pretty good Photoshop with uh I remember so it. Photoshop curly in there twice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh yeah. Cause do you remember, you remember what happened after that three K? So I ran nine twenty for flat three K and I think, I think, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Later that season, what did I run? Some in days you just don't forget. Even if you're just watching. <laughs> <camp>. <laughs> I ran, I ran about that fast in the steeple later that season, like nine, yeah, you know, but I think it was either after the three K or after the four by four, I came up to you and I said, I need to go home or, or something like that. And you're like, what? I was like, as soon as we fly home from California, I'm driving to Grand Forks on a Sunday. <laughs> and what did I say? I, 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 I don't know. I think you were just like, so frustrated with how sucky I was. You're just like, <laughs> yeah, do whatever you got to do, man. Cause whatever you're doing now is not working. <laughs> It scares me when anyone ever says like a four athlete's like, I remember what you told me after this. I'm like, Oh no, what, what did I say? Please, uh, please uh, be like, but yeah, Cam, I probably was, if I just told you that you should go home, then I was very upset. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, but, but I think I took the photo of the four by four team. Probably. Yeah, I could have been, I could have been that mad at you. Yeah. You have to know. post that photo. Post that photo for part two. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say that might be <laughs> so that might be like an like an almost Friday type of thing. Yeah, so. I see that 
see that haircut again. Oh gosh, yeah, I don't know if you want to. But uh, yeah. So as a little bit about who you were as a coach at NDSU, and yeah, I mean we could t- we could talk forever since we were part of that experience. But I want to hear it. So you kind of come into your own. What's maybe like the biggest thing now? I know we talked about relationships last time. I know we talked about a little bit about the makeup of the team, just kind of recruiting your own kids. But what's maybe something you know now that you like would go back and tell NDSU coach Andrew? Hmm. It's a good question. Um, well, one thing I haven't gotten any better at, but that I would tell myself is like, as a coach, like I tend to, this is going to sound like, you know, in a job interview when they tell you like, what are your greatest weaknesses or <laughs> yeah, whatever? Yeah, and then, yeah. and then you say something that's kind of a compliment to yourself. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so I'm not trying to do that, but like, um, especially early on, but it still can get like this, but like I tend to take like the low moments a lot harder than the high ones. Um, so as an athlete, it's like, and a coach you're trying to celebrate small success for people and all of those things. But I think uh, at the same time, I've never really like gotten over when something doesn't go right. Like I'm not like, I get pretty down. Like I don't show it, you know, but like when I go home at night, it gets like pretty low. Um, so I think I would go back and just tell (laughs) that coach, like, Hey man, these are 18 to 22 year olds. And like, there's a lot going on in their lives outside of what's happening on the track. Um, so you need to like accommodate for some of those things sometimes. Cause I've always felt like it's just like, if you're fit, just go do it, you know? Mm -hmm. But like, I still remember this. I I don't know if you remember Cameron, we had, I think it might've been the year with that bad haircut. I can't remember, but we had conference (laughs) at at home and Elliot Stone got last place in the 10k. Do you remember this? Yeah. He got last by like a long way. Yes. And he should yep. have never gotten last. Like he maybe shouldn't have won, but he should have never been last. And uh I remember like afterwards I was like it was like shocking how how bad it was. And uh I remember he just came up to me and before I could even say anything, thankfully he's just like I failed the test. I was like, "What?" And he's like I had a final today exam and I thought I had two hours to do it and I only had 90 minutes and I failed. And now if you guys know Elliot, Elliot don't fail tests. Right. Elliot's 30, Elliot is 35 ACT. Elliot spelled on ESPN. Elliot Stone, <laughs> if you're spelling on ESPN, you're not failing tests at North Dakota <laughs> State University. But he was like mentally just shot um, from this experience. It was like traumatic. And then I remember like the next day I told him, just go talk to the professor. Like, I don't know who this guy is, but there's no way he's going to say Elliot Stone doesn't deserve a better grade than this. Yeah. Um, so he went and talked to him and the guy gave him 30 more minutes to finish the exam. Elliot probably got a hundred percent and then came out the next day and won the 5k <laughs> um, at the summit league. Yeah. So it's like those things of like trying to like balance. I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly right, Wayne, but, that what I'm looking for is <laughs> you can't you couldn't even keep yourself from laughing. Do it. Dang yeah. it. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It was almost so slack. Cam's face was started he started <laughs> smiling. I couldn't do it. Uh sorry. <laughs> um but yeah, so that's where like I think what I've learned over time is just trying to have that balance between what's going on outside of like sports. For people um because i think i was just so hell-bent right away on that everyone needs to be all in um 
and it probably caused some people some stress right away. And I think once I like backed off of that a little bit and allowed people to just like kind of come to it on their own, it, it got better um, in that way. But like right away, like Cam remembers the guys we had, they were like eccentrics, you know, like Grady Anderson, like it was just like very fun to go to practice. But I was like, I could yell at these guys, get like super <laughs> mad. And like, it was just like fun. So like yeah. <laughs> right away, like I was super emotional and like high energy and all this stuff, but it kind of felt like, right i don't know like maybe not for everyone but i think maddie and aaron really appreciated yeah. like the enthusiasm and especially the guys group like they they just bought in right away so uh that that first group that you got when you started at ndsu pretty special you know any yeah. any group of people that you're still in a fantasy football league with to this day you <laughs> yeah. know that that's a that's a good group of guys so yeah uh-huh. That's been the the fun thing, like in this, is like, and it's not going to be like forever, you know. Like at some point, I'm going to be 65 years old, and like the <laughs> athlete will be 22, you know. But like that first group, like especially like you look at somebody like Maddie, who yeah, you know, started as an athlete coach, and then like we spend holidays together with our families now. Like this is something mm-hmm. like like that grows over time and relationships build it and all of these things. So that's been a special part for me. And yeah, like being in a fantasy football league or like having someone reach out to me just to let them know, like, let me know if something good happened. Um, those are all like really cool experiences. And then like, I still like Katie Bostrom, that's the best. Like once a year I get like a letter of recommendation to write for her to be like, you know, the bar certified lawyer in this state, you know? Yeah. So it's like really fun every time something like that comes through where you like get to kind of check back in on, on how things are going. Um, so, but yeah, no, that's, I guess I don't know where I'm going, but your question was so haphazard Cameron that it's hard to <laughs> respond. Yeah. I mean, you're a, you're a talented, uh, podcast, uh, guest. So I knew you could handle it. <laughs> uh, just throwing me alley-oops over the backboard. <laughs> so you've been at bradley for about two weeks now three weeks now somewhere yeah. in there this describe a little bit about your experience because i don't think we talked about that last time like you were sleeping in the assistant 80s basement for a minute yeah it's been it's been a wild like so i've been telling people like so i'm 41 i don't have kids i never went to grad school like i didn't you know, become a lawyer or a doctor or anything like that. So they, these like super stressful moments in people's lives, I think I've like avoided. <laughs> I think every like stress I've ever had has just been self-created. Like it's mm-hmm. ne- actually not been that big of a deal. So like this experience has felt like that all culminated here <laughs> where it's like three weeks of like 18 hour work days of like not thinking about anything else other than than this but that's how quickly everything had to move um when this all started because like a month ago i i didn't quite know what i was going to do like louisville the head coach wasn't retained so when that happens the staff becomes in flux and typically the next person comes in and brings in all their own people and i waited and waited and waited and then it got to the end and i realized i'm not getting retained so it was like kind of like three or four days of not knowing what i was going to do um pretty low moment and then um i remember i so i i had applied at huddle software company i think i'm i don't know if i mentioned this on the other one so i was like i got through three rounds of this thing 
to be like a, an account executive. So like a salesperson, and I like lay in bed at night, like looking up at the ceiling, like, is this really what's going to happen? Like, is this, I'm not going to be a coach anymore. I'm going to be like an account executive, but like picturing myself, I kind of got excited about it just because it was something different. I was like, man, I don't think this is it. Like, I don't think I'm going to be good at this, like everything. And I'm on the treadmill one night and I'm running and I get an email from Huddle saying I didn't get the job. So I went back to my townhouse and I was like fighting back tears, you know, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then Godfrey called me that night and I'm like faking it on the phone. He's like, how's it going? I'm like, I'm good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everything's good. Yeah. I'm just chilling out, watching TV. <laughs> and he's like, and I go, I didn't get the huddle job. You know, I said like that. <laughs> and he's like, well, what do you think about Bradley? And I was like, well, I applied, but I mean, I don't know anyone there, blah, blah, blah. So then he's like, well, let me make a call. Well, it turns out I was the first person to apply. Because I was sitting at my desk, and when that came up, I was like, Bradley is it for me. Like, that's the exact environment. This is the perfect place. I know this. So basically, like, they wanted to move fast. I wanted to move fast. So this all happened in, like, two weeks. But, like, from the start of this, it's been, like, 24-7 nonstop. Um, And that's the biggest thing, like you said, is getting to know each student athlete. But I've also had to hire two coaches. Um, as well and then figure out how to be a head coach (laughs) along the way too so it's like I have all this volume of work and then it's like I'm having to like readjust my brain as to like it's kind of crazy being a head coach for the first time because you're like if somebody doesn't do this it's just not going to happen I always had someone else to blame or like say like oh they'll (laughs) take care of this or whatever and I'm like there's no one that's going to take care of this besides me um So that's been a bit of an adjustment, but like, it's been a a whirlwind, Um, but we just got a house, like settling down. I'm like catching up on my emails. It almost feels like it can start like the actual work um, now, which is the recruiting and budgeting and travel and competition and training. Like all of that is coming and I'm really excited because this last few weeks has been insane. (laughs) Yeah. So the the responsibilities for like all the Bradley home cross country meets and stuff. Is that all on you then too? Yep. So I'm the guy now. Yeah. yeah. So I, I got to send out an email cause I got to figure out who's coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's why like, I get these questions from like student athletes, like that the head coach should know these right. answers, but like I hadn't even gone on a campus tour until the other day. Like I was like, I just go to my office and just sit there and just work. Um, so but yeah, so that's kind of like the will be an adjustment. But once all the student athletes are coming back, that'd be like August 12th. I think that's when it's going to really feel like real. Because um, right now I'm just so excited. Like I don't sleep at night. I'm just like so pumped up. But like yeah. I can't wait to actually like start the work um, now as well. So, What does it look like for somebody who is thinking about getting into coaching or, you know, has had thoughts that maybe that's something they want to do uh yeah yeah well there's kind of a bunch of different ways people get into it right so there's grad assistantships there's volunteering and then there's like how i did it which was i just let myself in through the back door after my own running career um but i always tell people like the biggest thing is like the volunteering piece um and finding someone that you want to 
work with that's going to help you to get your next job. Um, that's like the biggest thing. Cause it's all about like who, you know, um, so that's why like moments like this are pretty like stressful for me. Um, cause I'm pretty outgoing. I can talk to people, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't have like a million connections. Um, it's not like I just have like 20 people. I'm just going to text to help. I have a pretty small circle. Um, but I've been really lucky that those people are very passionate about the sport and willing to put me forward. So that's why I always tell like young coaches is one, if you can get a volunteer opportunity with like a great coach, that's going to help you take it. Um, I was coach Heinz's volunteer at Northern Arizona university in 08. And then I started working with him again in 2021 at Louisville. So it took a while for us to reconnect, but like, this is how these things happen, you know? So 15 years later, he can call me and say like, what do you think? You know? So it's just making those connections early on, but it's coaching is a tough industry. Um, the pay is not great. And when you apply, you feel like you're applying with like 250 other people that want this job. So usually there has to be something that you stand out with. And that's usually like a personal connection. Like right. if you can have a great coach call someone and say, Hey, vouch for you and whatever. But I mean, I tell anyone though, like, if you want to coach, just start coaching. Don't worry about like being like, I don't know, ready or anything. Like if you love running and love like working with students and all of this, like just coach high school, junior high, elementary school, volunteer at D3, volunteer at D2, whatever it is. Um, because I think it's just a really fulfilling way to spend your time uh, as well. Are you coaching Anderson at all? I am. So in Iowa, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty, they're tough. High school wise, what you need to be certified. I'm pretty sure in North Dakota, you can just show up and it's like, yeah, we need people. You can coach. And here you had to prove that you took the correct college classes and they had like four or five different courses you had to take. Um, And then there was like, it was expensive. If you didn't have those classes, there was some area colleges that offer them, but like over a thousand dollars. So my first few years I was down here, I was like, no way. I'm not spending that money. It's not worth my time. Well, then I ended up spending a lot of money to go to physical therapy school and (laughs) ended up most of those classes uh, covered what they needed. So I was an unofficial coach the last couple of years, which means I was coaching, but I was showing up to the track for my own workouts and just happened to have some kids hop in and high jump with me or do whatever. So (laughs) Uh, but this year I, I was, I like, I like that. I like this for you, Enerson, like I'm not really coaching in any like official capacity, but I'm at the track. You show up, I'm gonna coach the hell out of you. (laughs) (laughs) There was like showing up to meets and like sunglasses, my hood up. Kids are like coming over like, no, no, no. Like, don't look at me. (laughs) Um, just like, I can't stop coaching you. Right. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so I've been coaching. Uh, my wife, Kara, and I both coach at the same high school, which is oh, okay. Fun. I didn't know that. You got a little husband-wife com- duo? Yeah, I don't know which. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is there a celebrity group that does that? Yeah, I don't know the line I was trying to go down to, but it wasn't there. <laughs> I didn't have it. Sorry. Okay, that's, that's fine. But yeah, I've been, I was like, been doing a little oh, yeah, one of those one of those famous husband wife coaching duos like, and then it was just nothing. Yeah. The only one I can actually think of that's, and I don't even know how famous is the Brokaws at Western Illinois. Um, That's the only one I can can really think of. Okay. 
Anyways, can we do something <laughs> fun here? <laughs> yes. So, so Cam has been preparing, or at least telling me that he's prepared some games for. I don't think tonight. Cameron's prepared anything because well, that's kind of what him, I was. I was worried that about him, that. I was you worried asked about him that before too. if he had any other questions. This is at the start of part two, <laughs> and Cameron said, "No, I don't." That's how uh... this started. You guys set me up. Hey, I thought about some questions I want to ask you from uh, the beginning of the episode, actually. Oh, okay. Well, can we... Okay, let's <laughs> have fun doing this. So, okay, time out. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. <laughs> no, we're not editing this part. This part stays in, Cameron. Okay. 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 Do you have a game? I do have... I- I do have I I do have some fun some fun things to do, so okay. l- let's uh, let's start with that. R- uh, Ryan, I feel like you're uh, making this up right now. <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> you, 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 I texted oh, Ryan. Okay. Uh, have either of you ever seen the show Hot Ones on YouTube? No. Mm-mm. No. Oh my gosh. Well, okay, we're not doing that then. I guess. No, oh we are. Gosh. Uh, <laughs> So Andrew, I went on your Instagram. So okay. the game is the game is called Explain That Gram. Okay. So I'm just I'm just gonna pick two pictures from your Instagram, show <laughs> you them, and then you just have to explain what's going on. Okay. Okay. So I'll describe it for the listeners. You're in an NDSU wrestling singlet. Oh yeah. Explain that gram. Okay, so that was um Rose Jackson had a Halloween costume contest for the athletics staff. And I have a lion mask. Cause I don't know if you remember this about me, Cameron, but I, lions are badass. Sorry to swear, but they, they're awesome animals. They're my favorite animal. So I had a lion mask and I told Rose, I said, I'll participate tomorrow. I'll bring the lion mask. And Rose was, you know, Rose, the nicest person ever. Oh yeah. She was just excited that I was willing to participate and all this stuff. So I drove into work that day, Halloween, and I realized I didn't bring my mask. I don't have time to go home and get this thing. But I'm like, this isn't that big of a deal. So I just text Rose. And I was like, hey, Rose, sorry, I forgot my mask. I won't be able to make it today. And like, she was disappointed. Like, I could tell. Like, what she even said, like, well, can you just run home and get it? That was the point where I'm like, okay. Am I like one of the, only a few people participating in this? Blah blah blah. So I like started racking my brain. It's like, what could I do? So I went down to Roger Kish, who was the wrestling coach at the time, and I was like, Hey, can you get me a singlet, like a wrestling singlet, and then um, the earmuffs that you wear? <laughs> and that's what he's like. Well, they're not earmuffs. <laughs> so I was like, whatever they're called. Um, so I quick got that. And I was able to participate as an NDSU wrestler in that singlet. But the funniest part was there was like probably like 10 people that participated, but it was, everyone was like on teams. So it was like yeah. two people are, are these, you know, whatever duo. And then there was like, you know, the power Rangers or something, you know, and yeah, then there was yeah. like all these groups. I was the only lone individual. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh... I didn't know you had to go into this office to get judged. <laughs> I didn't know who the judges were. So I'm just standing outside the office, like waiting. And Rose, is like, all right, you're up. And I jumped into the office, like in a wrestling stance, you know, like a, <laughs> like a, like a move. And yeah. it was uh, the athletic director, um, the deputy athletic director, and then uh, the financial officer, Pat Fredrickson. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
these are not the people I want to be in a singlet <laughs> pretending to do wrestling moves in front of. Uh... <laughs> yeah, but Pat laughed, and I think I won like a fifteen dollar like a uh, gift certificate to like Pizza Ranch or something. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh god. Uh... Uh, yeah. So yeah. Okay. okay. Nice. I, I got a feeling of the next one. Let me see oh. what it is though. Throwback to high school. Okay, yeah, there was one or two there. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's jun- junior year of high school, I joined swimming because Alan Webb, who had run, he had broken the sophomore high school mile record the year before, had run 406. And he was like in, I don't know if it was in Runner's World. I can't remember what I read, like a magazine talking about his swimming. So yeah. I was like, I'll swim my junior year, like in the winter to stay in shape. And I actually got a bunch of the other cross country guys to, to join as well. Um, and then I made it two weeks and I quit because I was so, <laughs> I was, I was so bad. Like, and I get it. Like everyone needs to start somewhere. You know, we talked about growth and progress and all these things. And like, you know, I'm going to be talking out of both sides of my mouth here, but, uh, I was so bad at swimming that it was like the only choice was to quit. Um, <laughs> and the worst part about it was, so they, they, they assign you a lane based on like your ability level. Yeah. So I was in the last lane with like all the guys that look like they've never done anything athletic before in their entire lives. And I'm like embarrassed that I'm with these guys. Cause I'm like, <laughs> these guys, these dudes were crushing me. Like they were crushing me. Like it didn't matter like how hard I tried. I just would not move forward. Um, but I did compete in one meet. We had a, a an inner squad, like a duel. My dad came to watch. T- totally embarrassing. Um, Cause like I never got over the speedo thing either. Like I know this all sounds stupid, but I was like 16. <laughs> like did not feel comfortable walking around in a speedo. And like I got up on like the starting blocks and so now I'm like elevated above everyone. And I'm like, this is horrible. But I was doing the 50 open. So yep. down, down and back is all. So I dive in and the, my, my goggles like flipped up because I dove <laughs> in wrong. So I just like pulled them down around my neck. And then I just weaved like I hit the lane <laughs> lines the whole way. I didn't know how to flip turn. So I just grabbed the wall, took like yeah. three deep breaths and swam back. <laughs> and then that was done. But the funniest part was, like the cross country guys that joined a few others quit. And then one of the guys who I'm still friends with to this day, just switched from the swimming to the diving. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> diving's not going to track. <laughs> I think he ended up quitting track just to like focus on diving. <laughs> like This is way better. <laughs> oh my gosh. Andrew, did I ever tell you that I did swimming for a while in high school too? No. What was your 50 time? Well, there's a little bit of a story. So my middle school. Were you elite 80? Elite 80. Yeah. All right. I will not interrupt you anymore. I'm sorry. My my middle school science teacher was the high school swim coach. And so in eighth grade, you know, me and him would go back and forth, you know, just kind of poke fun at each other. And he's like, cross country runners are soft. There's no way you can make it through a swim practice. You're, you're, it's not the same thing. I'm like, nah, man, I'm fit. Like I can do it. And I told him, I was like, I'm going to come to a swim practice and I'm going to make it, I'm going to do it. I, I have no interest of doing swimming because I play hockey, but I'll do it. You know, didn't happen eighth grade year. 
But then my freshman year of high school for, you know, it worked out that I didn't have hockey practice one night. So I got all the forms, did all the paperwork, submitted (laughs) it to him. This is like, they were like weeks into the season at this point, you know, submitted it to him, did a swim practice and then never came back ever again. So I was on the no, because my intent was just to come for was to like make true on my word that I would come to a swim practice and then I that I would I could handle it. Did you that, handle it? I mean, for the most part. I mean, he was he was <laughs> impressed that I just showed up for like one swim practice. So <laughs> but yeah, you did they, all that paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Man, it was we got done with like the warm up and I was like, man, yeah, good practice, guys. And they're like, yeah, that was those are just the warm up sets. I was like, oh gosh. This is <laughs> terrible, oh, man. Uh we did it, we did a 500, like a 500 time trial, 500 yard time trial at the end. Yeah. And like, yeah, same thing. Like they split it into lanes and like the guys in the the JV lane were doing it in like eight minutes or something like that. It took me like eleven and a half minutes to swim well, this far. Yeah so bad that's so far though like that's like (laughs) it was like i don't know three or four years ago i had had some trouble with my heel i had like a nike apple watch at the time so i had like the nike app on there Mm -hmm. i probably told you this cameron at the time because it was hilarious i went for this run my heel was just killing me so i stopped like right away and just walked back to the car so i made it 0.10 miles at like 830 mile pace and I hit reset on my watch and Allison Felix came on like, cause they would <laughs> yeah. give you like kudos afterwards or whatever. She's right, like, right. way to go. You got after it today at all. this time. Yeah. Like, Allison, that was one of the worst runs. Of my life. <laughs> like, are you even paying attention to like what I'm doing? So I decided like, I'll just swim again. I hadn't swam since high school. So I went to Shields. I, I did not buy a Speedo. I wasn't willing to do that, but I did get goggles. And I was sitting at my desk at NDSU one day. It was in the summer. And I looked at the pool hours. And I was like, oh, man, if, if I got to go right now. I'm only going to get to swim for an hour. Only swim for an hour. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was going to like jump in the pool and just swim for an yeah. hour. And I made it down and back. And I took like a five-minute break. I was like, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I think I swam for like a total of. 30 minutes but i don't think i made it even a mile the whole time oh, michaela yeah. koenig who was on the team at the time showed up to aqua jog in the lane next to me <laughs> and i was like <laughs> so embarrassed that i knew someone <laughs> there but i got done with one of my laps or whatever i was just like hanging over the gutter or whatever yeah. and i just like was like cursing quietly to myself <laughs> and i looked over and she was just like looking at me i thought she was like god i was like i'm sorry michaela <laughs> don't mean to be like quietly cursing while your coach like <laughs> swims bad laps <laughs> uh, man uh. so but yeah that's that story cameron so what do you got next okay this will be the last one andrew you have a a knack for getting good coaching action shots i mean you're not Mm. the one that takes the pictures but yeah you must be aware that people are taking pictures of you when you're coaching so this is this is what oh boy knee scooter that okay i I will tell you because you're right i i have an eye for for this as well and i can't say i'm like thinking about it but that one 
when I was on that scooter, I knew I had eyes on me. <laughs> I, knew, <laughs> I knew that like mm-hmm. I was showing out. Like when I was going around the track, like bossing people around, I was like, this is, I'm a complete badass right now. But so what happened there was my, I broke my foot. I had a stress fracture as a coach, like running, yeah. running related. Like, how am I getting stressies as a coach? <laughs> like, this sucks. Mm. Uh, but like, I could get it fixed like before conference or I could like, wait, I was like, I just want to do it like right now. Um, so I got it done. And then like, we had conference was in Oklahoma that year. Yeah. In Tulsa when you did that 1500. Yeah. <laughs> You had a great uh, steeple. Great, great steeple. steeple. But I remember 15. like wheeling around on that thing. And that was like a super stressful weekend because the women tied. Yeah. Like they, they had never lost before. And like they tied. And I was like out of my mind for like three straight days. But like <laughs> wheeling around on the scooter, like all mad at points. I remember like the women's group that we had at the time, like they were awesome. But like mentally they were having like a really hard weekend. So I remember I like was like super upset and I was like going to like give them like the motivational, but like stern. And I'm like just wheeling myself across, across yeah. the field, like all angrily. <laughs> like, uh... But I will tell you, I, so I still am a purveyor of fanny packs. Yes. And it's all because of that scooter. It had the basket on the front. Yeah. And I was like, why don't I have a basket on me at all times? Like I'm yeah. constantly losing things. Like I need a pouch. So that's why I wear a fanny pack. Cause I get my phone, my wallet, but that, that changed my life was yeah. that scooter. But <laughs> one other funny thing about that was when we were in Tulsa, we, we had practice like Wednesday night and we were like going back to the van to go back to the hotel. And I was wheeling next to Lars and I was going super slow, obviously, but I was like wheeling and the the wheel got caught on a curb and i went like head over butt like i went <laughs> over the top of the thing and landed like on the ground like it hurt like i hit the cement pretty hard <laughs> and lars grabbed me and he, he picked me up like real fast like i could have <laughs> had a broken leg he picked me up real fast got me back on the scooter and he's like easy easy no one saw you no one saw you yeah. i'm like <laughs> Did I just embarrass Lars? A <laughs> 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 uh, guy that I did not know could be embarrassed. I was like, I felt bad. I'm like, Man, he's got this idiot like wheeling uh, next to him, falling over. <laughs> Do you remember when Tony Yuckelberg had his scooter? Did you ever, you remember when he like sprinted a 400 on yeah. his scooter? Oh yeah. I rem- I think I timed it. Yeah, probably. I think I was the official timer. I think he might have had my scooter. Maybe. Because <laughs> yeah. I think it, because that thing, that baby was brand new. Like I took that thing off the lot. Like so when they gave that thing to me, we were cutting tags off that thing. So I think Tony had that one because it had really good wheels. Like I can yeah, imagine yeah. he could go pretty quick. Do you remember when uh, he split? No. Gosh, I wish. I think he uh, broke 622. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was gonna say maybe I'll remember if I ever forget that 3K time of Cameron's. <laughs> yeah, oh, it'll 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 open yeah. up some space mm. to remember Tony Elkelberg's. Oh. <laughs> the the last thing I want to say about the knee scooter, and then I want to see what games Cam has planned next is I remember 
I had been working uh, every summer in college. I worked in a physical therapy clinic and we had people that would get the knee scooters that were not athletic by any means. And you don't have to be an athlete to have one, but they like just could not figure out how to maneuver these things. And it was, it was too much for them to handle. So I remember you got it. And I like, didn't really know how old you were. Like I had no idea. I just assumed you were a fountain of youth or something. And so I remember like, yeah, they like should not be giving these things to anyone over the age of 40. And you were like, I'm 37. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, one, one embarrassed. And then two, I was like, wait, you're that. No, you're not. There's no, that is all I remember from that. Pretty funny. You're like, what do you mean? (laughs) I had, I had a string of injuries in coaching and it was always around like the regional championships. I always end up in a boot somehow. I think there were like three regionals in a row. I was in a boot. But then, do you remember the year I broke my neck? Yes. So that was another photo I was going to pull up for this Instagram game. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So like when you're at a meet and like you're there all day and you see like the same people, like if you have a boot on, at some point, every single person you talk to is going to ask you like, oh, what happened? You know, like what happened? Yeah. Like they always want to know what happened. I was actually at an event last night for Bradley and there was a guy wearing a boot and I asked him what happened. I didn't even know the guy. Just like what you do. When you're walking around with an air cast neck brace, it's very hard. I mean, I was at NCAAs, regionals, everything in this neck brace. It's a hard thing to not have someone be like, what happened? The funniest part about that though was because I was biking to work. It was actually me trying to like save money on gas and like get fresh air. Yeah. But I would bike like very slowly, but like I wouldn't wear a helmet. I'd wear like headphones, all this stuff. But like when that, when I fell off my bike and broke my neck was I was driving down university and the sidewalk ended. And then, so I had to get onto the road real quick. So I started biking super fast and I got up on this curb to try to get back on the sidewalk. The wheel just turned to the left and I just flew over the handlebars, head first into the concrete. Oh. And like lights were out. Like I was not like, you know, when you're conscious, but you can't see anything. I don't know. I was like, but I was in a part of Fargo where there are some Fargo's a safe place, but it'd probably be the place where like a drunk guy would be laying in a yard. Yeah. Okay. That's like this part of that neighborhood where I was driving. So I was like laying in this guy's yard, like moaning. I'm like, oh, like, these sounds. <laughs> And I like the first thing I saw when my eyes came back open was somebody just closing the window to the house. (laughs) (laughs) I was just laying in the yard and I'm like, so I called Brant Gilbertson. Yeah. Cause he had, cause he had a truck. I remember. And I needed someone to pick my bike up. What I should have called was an ambulance, (laughs) but I called Brant Gilbertson (laughs) instead. So he took, and then he was driving me home and he's like, so am I just taking you home? I was like, man, my neck is bugging me. I was like, <laughs> I think you should take me to the ER. So Brent dropped me off at the ER and then just like left. I was just by myself. I was like standing in line, like at the ER, like holding my neck. Oh no. But the funniest thing was, I don't know why I'm going down this road. You didn't even show me this picture. <laughs> but the funniest part was they were so obsessed with what happened to the bike. <laughs> like all the doctors, like what happened to the bike? I'm like, who cares what happened to the bike? Like I <laughs> fell off it. My neck hurts. Um, but then I got put in like traction when they figure out what was going on. So I was like 
completely like I could see my arm, but I, I couldn't move. And my I had a Garmin at the time and it buzzed. And I figured it was like a text or something because my emergency contact at the time was Maddie. So I figured she'd be calling and my watch buzzed and all it said on there was move. Yeah. <laughs> like I hadn't walked enough. I'm like, damn you, Garmin. <laughs> I'm laying in a, my neck is broken. <laughs> it always buzzes at the worst time. Uh... <laughs> so anyways. Uh... All right. Dan, next game. What do you got? All right. Andrew, you've had a number of athletes, former athletes that have, uh, gone on and they're now parents so Uh, i need i need you to pick the child of one of your former athletes that you think is going to be most successful in track and field okay that's a great question so i saw taylor jansen just had a child yep yep that's what made me kind of think of this i mean i gotta think onyx is a is a dude yeah peyton and jake's son i mean that There's some talent running in that family. No one's going to outwork your kid. Thank you. I know that for sure. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I think you told me that Bart's going to be a dad. Yeah. Yeah. Coming up. I mean, that kid, like, he may never, he or she may never run a step. <laughs> like, who knows? You know what I'm saying? Like, your kid's going to be doing, like, double threshold at age six just to test things out. Yeah, I think it could probably go either way with Noah. You either, think so? Uh, well, like he's gonna do double threshold. We've already decided. We've already started okay. actually. Um, but it's either gonna end in a dumpster fire or he's gonna win the Olympics. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eder said, "Did you think Cameron was doing like the the thing where it's like this could go either way? Like he's gonna have his own choice." <laughs> yeah. I didn't really know where Cam was going. With that. I didn't know where he was going, but I was about to call him out on like, yeah. there's no way, Cameron, you're not getting this kid to run. So I'm glad Cameron said, no, no, he will definitely be doing double thresholds. It just might not go well. <laughs> like, okay, gotcha. uh, yeah. So yeah, uh, in that way, now I'm trying to think if I'm missing anyone. Uh, Grace, Grace and Jonah. Oh, Jason, Grace and Jonah. That's a great mix of speed and endurance yep. there as well. I'm going to give it to Noah. Yes. That game, that, that game wasn't set up at all to uh, get you to say that. That was the yeah, validation well, that Cam needed. I wasn't going to say anyone else, Cameron, with you <laughs> on the call anyway. So now you have to realize if I was telling you the truth or not, but yeah, it's yeah. up to you. <laughs> uh, uh, we would have had Ederson, more time. Yeah. If we would have had Ederson, more time. You got a kid on the way? No, no. Okay. We had more time. We should have had all the kids' names, and then you had to figure out who the parents were. But oh, that's part three, part three. Well, I think I saw Taylor's is Bridger. Yeah, sounds right. I think I saw. I couldn't come up with Noah. That's why I kept saying <laughs> yeah. your kid. Sorry, Cameron. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, all right, anyways. I I have a more of a hypothetical, but one that I think can be kind of fun. So, Sidious Mag. Whenever they have a coach on the podcast, they'll always say like Mount Rushmore of like best athletes you've ever coached. And some coaches will go ahead and answer it. And some they, they pass, they say, I don't want to disrespect any athlete. I don't want so much uh, a Mount Rushmore of talent. Cause I feel like you've already named most of the people that you'd probably throw on there. I want a Mount Rushmore of just goofiest personalities. Like mm. you <laughs> talked a little bit about the eccentrics earlier, but yeah. 
tell me yeah. a little bit like and you can frame the other way I was trying to frame this was like if you had to be like stuck on an island with like four of these people who are they be? oh but I, yeah but I'll let I'll let you kind of take it how you want um yeah roll with this we once did a so I once this is really tough like I think I would have an easier time saying the best athlete one <laughs> because <laughs> then i could just, i could that's easy i can just go through a rolodex in my head of like prs and all that so this actually is a little bit more complicated because even as you've asked this question ryan there's been like a hundred people come through my head so again i don't want to leave any of the weirdos out yeah. of this uh so if, if i don't name you here <laughs> You were super weird, but you just didn't make the cut. <laughs> but I, I think that conversation, uh, it probably starts with Kurt to Beast yeah. in many ways for me. Um, Kurt was like a, obviously one of my favorite people to get to work with. But um, just to be 6'5", 193 pounds with no muscle, but pretty good at the 800 and 1500, like 153 and 353 for like yeah. that. And then to also have the element of like your family owns the largest funeral home business in Southwest Minnesota. So you have a private jet that you fly to blink 182 <laughs> concerts on the weekend. Like it was such a weird like <laughs> lifestyle, like that I never quite like got my mind around. And like the fact, like they were so obsessed with kiss if you remember yeah. that but like yes. i remember like so but this is where the, the weird stuff comes in so you told me like you need to go home cameron like after that meet right right and like I, i'm hit and miss with this stuff like it depends on the day like mm -hmm. so another person that's going to make this list timmy heikola i remember yeah. one time told me like in the summer he's like my sister's getting married in the fall and i'm a groomsman in the wedding but it's the week of the nebraska cross-country meet and I remember I texted him and I said, yeah, that's fine. It's obviously your sister's wedding. I'm not going to make you run at Nebraska. There's more important things in life, but I'm going to be pissed at you that week. I guarantee it. <laughs> I guarantee. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I was so mad at him. I felt bad, but I remember like Kurt came up to me at practice one time and he's like, Hey coach, I'm really sorry, but I, I, can I go home this weekend? Like we had practice, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to let someone go home if we have practice. But then he said this, business is booming right now. <laughs> and I'm like, business is booming? <laughs> like, yeah, go home. Like, <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> but, you know, he also gave me a gravestone as a gift. Like, it just yeah. he's a weird guy, um, for sure. But then Timmy as well is obviously, you know, one of those guys. So what did Timmy run? 408 in the mile? Maybe right. He was like. He was like a 430 homeschool kid from northern Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, I always joke about him and Alex Bartholomew because it, it's true. And I feel bad saying this, but like I actively didn't recruit these guys. Like <laughs> they, they, it truly felt like they just showed up um, and they were incredible athletes, you know, and they worked so hard. But like Timmy was like the homeschool guy and like, very passionate about everything and like yes. he's like never like on one he's always on 10 like every day he comes in but like the reason i loved working with timmy and it was frustrating throughout it but like have you ever seen someone have more range cam no 
Yeah. No. He, yeah. He he had the best of like all all the teammates I had at NDSU. He had the best. You know, his best ten k and his best like eight hundred were. That's like the best combo. But yeah, I'm sure. Well, and going. I'm saying too. I'm saying range in terms of times as well. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because I remember Timmy was one of these guys that was a walk on. So we have roster limits. So redshirt your freshman year, but you're technically not on the roster. And then hopefully that next year. But Timmy ran like 4:15 in the mile his true freshman year as a redshirt. So I like took a redshirt off him because I was like, this guy's gonna like, he's gonna break like 4:10 indoors this season. Like he'll score yeah. at the conference meet, all this stuff. So, but the next week he drove down to South Dakota State and he ran 4:45 in the mile. <laughs> and I remember talking to him afterwards because he was just a freshman still. But I was like, truly trying to get this guy to come up with an excuse, like mm-hmm. whatever you got to tell me why this happened this way. You had a stomach bug, cramp, whatever, like the worst excuse you can think of. Tell me he wouldn't do it. He's just like had a bad day. Just had a bad day, and I had a lot of respect for him in that way. But at the same time, like we can't have that bad of days. Yeah. And if you're like a four fifteen guy, so yeah, like he was like that though. But always at the right moment, he was always good. Um, like his senior year, he won the conference indoor in the DMR in the mile. Like he always had it like right. But that indoor season, he had run four twenty eight for the mile one meet. The next meet, he ran four oh eight. So when we went to the conference, I'm like. God, I hope we have good Timmy. Yeah, and, uh, we we absolutely did. Um, yeah. But then on the women's side, I mean, the ex- there's a lot of eccentrics as well. But like, obviously, Aaron and Maddie are um, important people in in both the athletic realm and in like their personalities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they were two great people to have on the team because Maddie's so outgoing and like personable and positive and all this stuff, and Aaron's more like business focus when she's at practice like goofs around obviously but like is really like there so having those two different type of personalities was awesome but i will say bar none the most badass woman when it comes to all of phases of this is katie bostrom like i didn't know when katie got to ndsu she i swear she couldn't have broken three minutes in the 800 i didn't she would just sit on the bike and like pedal lightly for like a half hour every day. I kind of didn't know what her deal was even. So we were out at the track one day and she picked up a tennis ball cause I had rocket out there and she hucked this thing, hucked it. And I went to Stevie Keller and I was like, I think Katie's a multi, like <laughs> this woman can throw. She's strong. She can jump. She's fast. She just like, isn't a distance runner, you know? Um, so she went to the multis, but turns out the hurdles are tough. The 60 meter <laughs> hurdles, Katie Boston was not quite ready for that. So then actually got bounced to a different group and then bounced back to my group at one point. And then at that point, she just went all in. Like she was so hardcore. Like mm-hmm. it, it's like more of a guy's thing, but like Katie would be like in a sports bra when it was like 20 degrees outside, you know, like ruddy, like she was just like, like that. But like, she ended up running what she run 212 for the 800 428 for the 1500 but like yeah. she was one of these people she was running like 70 75 miles a week as well yeah. but like also lifting weights like a sprinter and like just like yeah, yeah. so anyways that's probably my mount rushmore 
there, but like there's a hundred, I mean, we could bring up Brett Kelly, you know, <laughs> talking about how he could kill a bear in nine lives and having that conversation now go on for the better part of 10 years. Like there's a lot of like, yeah. So you sent me down a rabbit hole here that I could go on for five hours about, but those are kind of like the first people that come to mind. That's just Ryan. You basically just asked like, Hey, Andrew, can you name the most cross country, cross country runners that were on the cross country <laughs> team? Cause every cross country runner is, I mean, not every, but most are like, they have their, we got our quirks, you know? Oh yeah. And that's where it's like, <laughs> when you meet one that, when you meet someone who doesn't, so I'll bring up Annika Rotvold for a, for an instance here. So Annika like transferred to NDSU from Augustana. So we brought up Elliot Stone before. So I was on a run one night at Johnson Park in Moorhead and I was running on the trails and I saw Elliot and a young woman sitting on like the riverbank. <laughs> and I was like, does Elliot have a girlfriend? <laughs> How did he pull this off? <laughs> this <is> amazing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so like, so he texts me later that summer, like, can my girlfriend be on the team? I was like, who's your girlfriend? Annika Rotfold. Okay, what'd she run? She ran 515 in high school at Hillsboro. Sure. I barely talked to Annika that whole summer. And then she showed up. And you know Annika, so quiet, so nice. And then she started getting better. And I actually had the thought, Cam, like you just said, the quirks thing. Of like, does Annika have the edge to be like really good though? Or is she just like where she's at? You know, like that was a thought I always had. Like how much better can she be? Cause she's so nice and like, so calm, you know, and yeah, all of these yeah. things. But then we had a long run one day and I watched that woman run 14 miles on the treadmill, no headphones, yes. no towel over it, no music, just stared at a wall for 14 straight miles. And I was like, okay, yeah, yep. She's, she's <laughs> off in the right way. Like she's yeah. got it, whatever it is. So when she mm-hmm. ran, when she ran 416 for 1500, that all made yeah. sense then after oh, I yeah. saw that that day. So. Andrew, I got some requests from oh. people who are listening to uh, part one. Uh, we've heard my side of the turkey on the trail story. We've heard Aaron's side of the turkey on the trail story. We need to hear your perspective on that turkey that okay. uh, we, we ran yeah. into. So the story Cameron's referencing here is Cameron, Aaron Teshuk, and I ran on some trails in Moorhead, and uh, we were on a trail. And now the funny part about it is Aaron's deathly afraid of birds, and turkeys are like number one suspect in that way (laughs) as well. So we came around this corner, and we're on a single track trail. And who was in the front, Cameron? Was it Aaron? Aaron was, yeah. Yes. So we came around the corner, and there was a turkey just standing in the middle of the trail. I remember I was running by maybe second or third, but like Aaron hit the brakes immediately and just put her hands over her chest because she couldn't (laughs) like speak. And we all ran into each other. And then there was like a moment of silence. And then just Aaron screamed. Cameron screamed louder and higher pitched (laughs) than Aaron did for sure. And then... (laughs) <laughs> what Cameron tried to do, so then we all started trying to run away from the turkey. Cameron shoved me off the trail. He tried to, like, he basically tried to sacrifice me for the turkey. 
what he thought he was doing, but what he <laughs> actually did was save my life because he shoved me off the trail and that turkey just took off after him and Aaron. And I remember <laughs> the trail, the trail cut into two places and Cameron went right and Aaron went left and the turkey went left. <laughs> but the, funniest, <laughs> the funniest part about the whole thing was like the turkey, turkeys can fly. <laughs> I've seen them do it. Yeah. This turkey did not choose that <laughs> mode of transportation. He was running behind <laughs> you guys with like his feathers tucked back and his head <laughs> forward. <laughs> but Cameron, I could hear screams <laughs> off into the distance for like 400 meters away. I could still hear Cameron screaming. Oh. <laughs> uh... It was after I just I just stood in the tall grass the whole time. I was like, well, Cam saved my life, thankfully. After we all got back together, you know, on the on the same trail to finish our run, you said, man, just our luck. We would run into the Usain Bolt of turkeys. (laughs) (laughs) That was true, though. That dude was fast. So fast. A a sprinter. The only way he could have gone faster is if he flew. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right what do you got next cam that's all i got wow we're getting done here isn't there like a like a like a fire game or something where we like quick fire questions or something (laughs) i didn't prepare anything that okay that all right elaborate this is round two (laughs) oh gosh that's gonna have to be for part three no there's no part three we're done (laughs) Like I'm good. I'm just so happy I got to be on the Prairie Track and Field podcast. I I always thought like I always thought I would be like one of the first guests, yeah. and it turns out I didn't get on for like five years. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, it's it's good because when we first started doing it, we only thought we were going to be interviewing legends of the sport. We didn't think we were going to be doing that, uh, you know, current event type stuff. And so yeah. we had to be strategic about how we were spacing out. Like, who do we get on the podcast? And I remember at one point there was a, a big debate on like, well, we want a coach on, but, but if we have one coach on, we got, we can't have two on in consecutive episodes or even within yeah. similar episodes. So you are a name that's always been on the list, but you know, yeah. Good thing. Well, I good guess things. I've been on the list for a long time. But, yeah. Uh, and now you're at the top. What the, what's the listenership like? Well, I was just gonna, on this. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say when you helped Ryan host the Laura Raisler episode, uh, I think you made a, a comment that was actually pretty accurate at the time that it was going to go out to tens of listeners, um, which <laughs> which was probably true. But I'm happy okay. to report we're uh, we're bigger than that now. We I think we average like 150. Holy downloads. cow! Okay. If you if you average our total downloads to like number of episodes across number of episodes, it's like 150. But okay. like, but we're higher than that with like our recent stuff mostly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like within what we did in the first, this is going on year three of the podcast already. It's hard to imagine that, but uh, we've almost like we're gonna double this year what we've had listeners the first like really? year and a half, two years. Yeah, so. Yeah. We're well on so our those way. First, those first few were like five or six people listening. Yeah, I mean, I could go back and and tell you what our very first it. one was, but no, I love it. Like, I love like like starting on like because you guys like truly this is the most 
and I listen to a podcast that's only about chain restaurants. <laughs> this is the most niche podcast I've ever <laughs> heard of or experienced in my uh... life. That's why I'm like, I'm obsessed with it in many ways, but then partially while well, Ryan's like going on about like trying to figure out like how to not offend people at all this stuff <laughs> and like do this. I'm like, Ryan, I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. I think you're good. I think you're good. <laughs> but you guys yeah. have done an incredible job and I've really appreciated. Like I said, I've watched some of your work on your broadcasting and that's gotten really good too. Um, and I, I, I come from this from an angle of I cannot watch track and field with certain broadcasters on. Um, so I mo- mostly watch on mute because I just can't do it. But I can mm-hmm. listen to you guys talk about a track meet. So you guys have done a great job in that way. So There we go. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, no, we appreciate that. I feel like we were almost having an identity crisis as a podcast for a while. Like, who are we? What are we doing? Are we legends interviews? Are we current events? Are we getting into broadcasting? I feel like it's a little bit of everything, but I don't know. Until we do something terribly wrong, uh, I think we'll just keep sticking our foot in wherever we can get. Yeah, I think part two of this podcast is that moment for you guys. Right? <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see if you can recover. We'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> oh, but oh. I'll tell you what, I really would love to come down to the Bradley Pink Classic. Oh, it, listen, I just saw the budget for the first time, so I can actually start to think, can we bring the Prairie Track and Field podcast <laughs> to Bradley Pink? I would love to do it. I got this stupid house that's way too big you guys are more than welcome to stay cameron we have room together one time yes at nebraska yeah you and joe luisell you guys were both hurt remember when we got in there and there was like an x-ray machine in the room yeah it was like an ozone detector machine ozone detector yeah that's what what is this yeah like we walked into a hotel room (laughs) the three of us one these two guys I made, I, there was a king bed and I had you guys sleep in sleeping bags. I was like, on the floor. There's, yeah. I'm not sharing one and two, I'm not sleeping on the floor. We walked in, right. And it's like a totally normal hotel room. Like nothing different about this hotel room, except for the ozone detector <laughs> in the middle of the room that was big and like on wheels. Like somebody had forgotten it. Yeah. That was the weirdest. Like, yeah. Oh my god! Can you imagine? It's like you're halfway home, and you're like, "Wait, did I forget the ozone <laughs> detector in the hotel room?" I know, like a like a pair oh, of I shorts, like... a pair of shorts in the bottom drawer of the dresser. Totally get that, but <laughs> yeah, ozone detector. I mean, I've I've left a toiletry bag before, but I've never left my ozone detector. <laughs> but the craziest part was, if it was a previous guest housekeeping came in and cleaned the whole room around the ozone detector <laughs> <Yeah. everything> was... <laughs> uh, oh all right gosh. i'll wrap this up then boys we'll talk yeah. later. <laughs> uh, andrew thanks for your time we we really appreciate it part one was awesome part two i think in its own way was even better but <laughs> we'll, we'll talk this, more this about the, the bradley same tone. classic no 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 this is the same tone you used uh, the first part when you said that I had the fastest debut in American history yeah. and then I had to say seventh and you're like, well, I mean, that's still, I mean, it's still pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs> 